0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Team in Carmel, Indiana, with a very special guest by the name of Jamie Little. Jamie, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Hey, I'm ready. I'm excited to be on Cars Yeah! And chat with you, Mark. We're going to have some fun today. Now, before I introduce you and we dive into this very fun world that you uh, participate in, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Jamie
1: Little? gosh i don't know i i put so much out there um just obviously if you follow me you know i love animals you know i love racing because that's all i've covered since um well i started college basically i've covered racing but i do like cars i like kind of the gamut but in the garage right now we've got a 1995 ford bronco eddie bauer edition Her name's Betty. And then what I've been driving is a 2023 Toyota Sequoia TRD edition. And I just, I love the big SUVs. If you follow me, you know I have four rescue dogs, two small kids. So I love a vehicle that looks good, has power, and can fit everything in one.
0: Well, obviously. And uh, given a lady who likes to go fast, I saw where a couple weeks ago you jumped in a McLaren and took a lap around the Indy 500.
1: Yes, um, I was in one of the Indy cars and we went, gosh, I think 175 miles an hour. Thanks to Lucas Oil for setting that up. Obviously, they are one of the main sponsors of Sam Schmidt Motorsports. And uh, they said, hey, you want to go do the two-seater ride at Indy? Granted, it's a week before the Indy 500. And I was like, heck yeah, let's, let's go. I love speed. I, I love trying everything like that. So we had a great time. Um, Spencer Piggott was my driver and he's raced in the Indy 500. So I knew I was in good hands, but what a thrill. And I'm so tall that your head just, you know, you stick out of the cockpit, Your your eye level with the tires. There's just nothing like it.
0: Yeah, I noticed on that video, you were trying to hold your helmet in because I think the wind was
1: catching you because you're so tall. Yes, that's exactly it. And, and I've done it before. I've ridden with Mario Andretti doing the same thing. So I knew that once I went around and you're hitting those speeds, your helmet wants to suck off. And um, when you're so tall, you're sitting above it. So yes, I was hanging on to that helmet for dear life. It wasn't going anywhere, but I think it was more of a comfort thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to take your head off, that's for sure. Well, that's cool. And Sam, Sam's a fellow CarGia alumni. He's been on the show before. So awesome guy, Uh, awesome team. So uh, that must have been some fun. Well, Let me me give you an introduction here. Jamie Little is a veteran motorsports reporter with more than... 20 years in the industry. She's one of the most recognizable features in motorsports television. Jamie's career in broadcasting began in 1998 with ESPN as a reporter for both the Summer and Winter X Games. She worked as a pit reporter with ESPN, ABC, covering the IndyCar series, which includes 11 Indianapolis 500s, And she's been on the track a few times too, as we just heard. (laughs) In twenty fifteen, she joined Fox Sports and has worked as a pit reporter for all three of their national touring series. And in twenty one, she was tapped to be the lead announcer for the ARCA Menard series uh, making history as the first woman to work as a lead television play-by-play announcer for National Motorsports Series. And in 23, uh she added to her play-by-play duties. Edition of NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. You're everywhere, Jamie. (laughs) Becoming the first woman lead announcer for NASCAR. Congratulations. And, of course, uh, Jamie has joined Lucas Oil, our friends at Lucas Oil, as a newest brand ambassador for that team. Very, very cool. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more from Jamie. Uh, First, a word from our sponsors. They keep the fuel in the tanks and the oil in the crankcase. And we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866 aci Yeah, that's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love, like I did, with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors ...on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Did you know that Cars yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts... ...based on listenership, according to Lipson... ...the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right... Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Car yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Car yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Car yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique, in very personal way, well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at or through the website at carsyad.com today to learn more. So, Jamie, uh, what a life you've created for yourself. And something I learned about you is you and I graduated from the same. College down in San Diego, San Diego State alumni buddies here. But you have so many firsts in the business. So let's go back in time a little bit. When you graduated and you went out as a professional, how did this all happen? And how did the tie to cars and racing must be flowing through your blood a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, I grew up in Lake Tahoe, so California girl, mountain girl, and I was raised by an only single mom. And uh, it's it's funny. It's just I think I was just born a tomboy, and then being raised, you know, in the mountains, you're always playing outside. Of course, I gravitated toward the boys with the cool toys and the ones with like the four wheelers and the two wheelers. And I just, since I was a little girl, I just remember that's what I wanted to do. I love to go fast. I love the feeling. I love the smell of the fuel. Just it was in me it was just a weird thing and as i got older i moved to las vegas with my mom when i was 12 and i met some guys and they happened to race motocross they introduced me to the world of supercross so that was right in line with the things that i had loved growing up i really got to know a lot of these riders and i loved their stories it was amazing to me what they were sacrificing, their bodies, their life, their education, all of these things to become professionals. And I wasn't planning on going to college. So I moved to LA just to kind of go for it, see what's out there in the world for me. You know, motocross kept drawing me back. I read Dirt Rider magazine and I just, I was obsessed with it. I had friends in it. I loved the sport. I loved the competition. And one day it just hit me. I was watching TV, a race on TV. And I thought, I wanna do that, I can do that. I could do a good job talking to these guys and sharing their stories. And there isn't anybody that looks like me doing it. So I'm sure there's fans like me, so why not? I'd say long story, but I never gave up. That was something I wanted to do. I saw a guy with an ESPN microphone and a camera at a race, went up to him, picked his brain, and he happened to be local in San Diego and he's like, you can tag along kind of like an internship kind of thing, but not an internship. Tag along and help me. Well, I did that for two years. I ended up moving to San Diego, signed up to go to college because I realized I needed to get a degree if I was really going to take journalism seriously. So I was learning hands on in the field, going to local races. And it was one thing led you know, to another and it happened quickly. I think I was twenty two the first time I was ever on ESPN and and the rest was history. And my focus was racing. I never looked back. I put everything except for school aside to pursue my dream. And it's always been just covering racing.
0: Well, this is inspirational, and you're you're a great inspiration for young people who want to break in, but think, how could I ever do that? walk up and talk to people, right? Just walk up and talk. I've interviewed so many racers on the show, hundreds of racers who said, I go to the track and I just bring my race suit and my helmet and I walk up and I talk to people. And many of them ended up in a ride that way.
1: Yep. It still happens to this day. I mean, This year, I saw it happen to a couple drivers where they're at the racetrack, they're at the ready, they've got their fire suit and helmet, and oh, so-and-so is out, he's sick, and you're the perfect one to jump in, and that guy's there, he's ready, he gets the opportunity of a lifetime. It still happens that way, whether you want to be a broadcaster, a track announcer, a race car driver, it happens. It's all about who you know and being at the right place at the right time. Perfect. And another cool thing is you hold all these
0: firsts. Talk about motocross and uh, bikes and supercross. <laughs> You've been all, a woman in this industry, so many firsts. Was it that launch and then that got you the awareness from other people to go, wait a minute, there are probably women watching these events and there's no women in this. It's kind of like Dana, Dana Patrick getting into racing or if you go all the way back to Denise McCluggage getting into racing Is that how you just kept leapfrogging into all these situations?
1: I think a lot of it was timing. You know, it's not like I set out like, well, there's no women, so I want to be the first woman. It was just like, hey, there's, I know there's going to be fans that look like me, so why not go for it? And it's never been a thing that I ever thought of. Oh, I wonder if being a woman's going to hold me back. I just, I wasn't raised that way. I, I was raised by a strong woman who said yes and figured it out and did whatever it took, you know, whether it was a male or female role. And and that's how I was raised. It wasn't like, that's a male thing. And maybe you shouldn't pursue that. Um, and that really was a great thing for me because it, it's helped me so, so much. And I think it's just, it's opened up doors. I think once, you know, other producers saw like, Hey, Jamie can do it. So why not give this woman a shot, this other woman? And and that's my hope. You know, when I'm gone and I'm not doing this anymore, I really hope that I opened up some doors maybe, just opened some eyes for producers, for those aspiring to be in, in this position. Like, hey, you know, we never thought of this before. We always just assumed it's a male, male voice and a male voice should be the lead. Um, but maybe a woman is okay and fans are going to like it just the same as long as they're good and they're in the right position.
0: A lot of announcers we see in motorsports are past racers. And since you weren't in that role, I, I listen to you in your reporting and I go, how do you know so much stuff? <laughs> you know, if you didn't race. So is a lot of this having to do, obviously, you're an extremely intelligent person, having to learn all of these different aspects before you go to an event so that you can speak intelligently. Because one thing I know about the car world, we can sniff out a non-car person really, really <laughs> fast, right? It's like you go to a car and Coffee and you go, okay, this person has no clue what they're talking about in about one sentence. So yes. you must do an enormous amount of research before you go into a situation.
1: Yeah. So my job, it's funny. I always tell people that it's not just a job. It's a lifestyle because there's so much information coming at you all of the time. And you're right. People can sniff it out right away. If you know what you're talking about, or if you're just there as a talking head, looking to use racing as a stepping stone to be a superstar in broadcasting. that doesn't fly, fans see through it, drivers, teams, they see through it. You really have to have a passion and authenticity when it comes to covering racing. And- You have to do so much homework, so much homework, because people in racing, they care about every driver. There's fans for every single team that you're talking about. So you need to have something and know what's happening. And news is breaking every single day. And, you know, primarily I'm talking about NASCAR because it's just it's a behemoth, you know, and there's press releases coming at you every day. But there's nothing better than just being in the garage going up in any hauler, having those relationships where you could talk to any crew chief, any race engineer, any driver, get it straight from their mouth and then take it right on the air with words that they told you. It just doesn't get better than that. That allows you to do your job at the best of your ability and have those great relationships.
0: Well, this leads me to a new role that you have here with our friends at Lucas Oil Products as an ambassador For them, Your personality is perfect for that. And I love the concept of getting to know people. If you think about the Netflix series Drive to Survive, that's why it's so successful. People now can see the people behind the scenes. So what does it mean to you to be an ambassador for such an iconic brand as Lucas?
1: It's huge. Obviously, I've known about Lucas forever because they're involved at so many levels of racing, all different forms of motorsports different personalities they love winning they love supporting you know the the drivers the athletes and the series just because they want to see racing survive and and this year they came on board and they they um joined with richard childress racing as they always have been but they joined with kyle bush kyle bush makes the move it's a huge news story and he goes out first race with lucas oil as the primary in fontana california Drives to Victory Lane. It was such a big win on so many levels. I got to meet Brandon Bernstein then and really dive into Lucas and what they're all about and what they believe. And I just, I love what they do and what they stand for. And we started talking and I thought, I could bring a lot to you guys. And I feel like we'd have a great relationship. And we did some things together and it was just like family instantly. And uh, when they asked me to become a brand ambassador for them, a member of their family, I was very honored and it makes perfect sense. You know, I'm in Indianapolis, they're in Indianapolis and we all believe in the same thing. We're all so passionate and I really feel like we can help each other. So it's a really unique opportunity for me, but being a brand ambassador is nothing new to me. I've done that throughout my career, but this one is just, uh, it's right in the heart, very close to home and I'm excited to represent them.
0: Yeah, it's a great group. I've had several people from the company on the show. Morgan, who's now leading the show there, of course, uh, taking over for his father, Forrest. And you think about Forrest Lucas and his ties to racing. I mean, Lucas Oil, well, you see him everywhere. I used to race vintage cars, and even in that category, you see Lucas stickers all over cars. In fact, I was thinking of this talk yesterday because I stopped by um, an auto parts store to pick up some uh fuel additive for our cars. And of course, Lucas grabbed that right off <laughs> the shelf. So there you go. Well, uh, welcome to the Lucas family. I think that's uh, pretty cool. You know, I like to talk about what I call our driving inspirations, people that were very influential, that perhaps helped you become the success you are in your career. Has there been somebody like, there's probably been a lot of people, but somebody in
1: particular that you could maybe share a story about? Yeah, I've worked with so many incredible people. I mean, I look back now and I pinch myself. I mean, the legends of broadcasting and, you know, Brad Doherty and Dale Jarrett and, you know, Alan Bestwick is one person and and people remember his voice. It's so iconic in NASCAR racing. But Alan Bestwick was was play by play at ESPN when I was there. And he was very instrumental in my career, just the way he does things, the way he approaches things, the job, especially when it comes to play by play. I've been able to talk to him, work alongside him to learn this craft because it is a different skill set to be a lead broadcaster rather than a pit reporter. They're just different. So he's been very instrumental in that. But coming in, it was hard. You know, I didn't really have a, another woman that I leaned on because there wasn't one that had really done where, you know, what I was doing and what I saw myself doing in the future. So a lot of it is inspiration from drivers and different personalities that have made me work harder, made me learn my craft. And that's Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart are two people that have really they've meant a lot to me in different ways they don't even realize it the guys who are tough that make you work harder at your questions are the ones that teach you the best lessons so those are two guys that have meant a lot to me too my teammates you know at espn and now at fox i just finished my ninth season with nascar on fox and when you work with such a talented group of people it makes you better it makes you want to be better and they are the ones that have given me the opportunity to be play by play and and try things that are outside my comfort zone. So those type of people I just, you know, I'm so appreciative because without a producer believing in you, you're never going to get that chance.
0: Yeah. I think back to uh teachers I had in school and the ones that were the toughest that at first you're like, Oh man, that's gonna be a hard
1: class are the only ones you remember. Exactly right. That's those are literally the only teachers I remember. Those ones that were the hardest on you, but you worked the hardest for and you got the most out of those classes. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because you can interview nice driver after nice driver, but it's the ones that make you ask the question the right way, or they're going to call you out and make you look like a fool. Those are the ones that you learn the most from and, and you become better because of.
0: Oh, absolutely. San Diego State, where you and I both went to college, uh, Miss Higgins, who was one of my professors, was so difficult and I'm mentioning her name today, and that was a long time ago. (laughs) I graduated from college, but she made it, you know, when you got an A from her, you felt like, man, I really kicked some butt here. I learned a lot of things, so uh, definitely. You know, challenges. Uh, What you do, what we all do in life, but what you do is not without challenge, and you're in a field, motorsports, which is massively challenged. I like to ask this question. What's a huge challenge that you faced in, could be your life or your career, but more importantly, what did that challenge Teach you, So you look back and go, that wasn't much fun, but I'm glad I had to go through that.
1: I think it's the beginning stages of any big role. And I would say going back to 2004, when I came on board when ESPN, my boss there, by the way, going back to people that have been instrumental, it was my boss at ESPN that I literally cold called and asked him to give me a shot. He knew who I was because I was doing things in the field, but I cold called him Rich Feinberg and asked him to give me a shot. And he was the hardest one I've ever had on me. He would call me from the infield, have me come out and meet him in his office trailer if I did something wrong in an interview or during my job. And he made me so much better. But he was somebody who believed in me, was my boss all the way till my last day at ESPN. So I'm very, very thankful to him and um, you know what he taught me in those lessons. But I think- my first year, 2004, my first Indy 500, that was a moment of like, everything was going along. I'm learning the sport. I'm telling the stories of the Indy 500, the month of May. But when they said, Hey, we want, we want to give you a shot and you'll be a pit reporter for the 500 and become the first woman to ever do it. I'm like, okay, well then it wasn't until we took a photo and it was me. And I think eight gentlemen, you know, you've got Gary Gerald and, Uh, Vince Welch was in there and um, Paul Page was play-by-play iconic voice and I'm right in the middle of all these men and I just I was 25 years old I called my mom and I said the race is tomorrow I don't know what I've gotten myself into but I I don't know what I'm doing here and one of those moments that you're like okay like I have to perform I cannot say no and say I'm not showing up um But you learn the most. You learn about yourself. You learn about the grit that you have and what it takes to succeed and how good it feels to succeed. And um, another moment was the day Dan Weldon was killed. You know, at my home track at the time I lived in Vegas, he was killed at that track. He was a good friend of mine. Learning about myself as a broadcaster, I think, made me grow in so many ways and just made me realize things appreciate things that I never quite did before and about life outside of racing you know when we lost Dan I literally went home that night and told my husband like there is no perfect time to have children we need to just go for it and my son was born I think nine months later so um yeah there are different moments like that that really stop you in your tracks make you learn make you grow
0: I remember when my my wife Jill and I were talking about having children we've been married for about four years and I remember having that talk with my dad, he said there is no perfect time, Mark. You just do it. That's you know. So
1: especially in racing and these crazy careers, it's everybody thinks well there's going to be the perfect time or you're going to have the perfect amount of money and that's just not reality. If you want to make it happen, you just have to go for it and don't stop and you'll look back and be happy you did.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you got two beautiful children just like I do, so uh pretty darn special. Well, it begs me to ask this next question because You go up in front of some massively famous people, and I would assume sometimes you go, wow, this is somebody I really hold in high esteem. I deal with this on what I do all the time, getting ready for your show today, famous Jamie Little. I mean, wow, this is pretty cool. How do you approach not being starstruck? What is it you do in your mind so you can still do your job and sound like, you know, you're not like, oh, this person is so special.
1: You know what's really cool, what I've found the difference is, you know, if you're out and about or you go to a concert and you meet somebody, that can be a little overwhelming because you're in their territory, you're meeting them and you're a fan of theirs. I found that when when celebrities come to the racetrack, they're in my territory and that's kind of how I've looked at it. They look at me like, oh, you're part of this. They see the headset, they see the microphone and it's just much more comforting. And I think I get or anybody that kind of is in the same realm, they get a better interview that way because those people are fans of the sport and they're there as a visitor. So they want to give you everything because they know you're a big part of it. You're on network TV. And so I found that that really helps. But there's been pinch me moments Just, just a few years ago, 2021, I met Michael Jordan. But it wasn't me going up to him. It was like I was standing in front of him talking to somebody and he was in his pit box because he owns 2311 Racing. And he calls me over. He goes, this is Jamie Little. And she's telling me, telling the people he's with, who I was, and that I knew everything about racing and that he watches me every Sunday. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like (laughs) Michael Jordan. Wow. Michael Jordan, the goat of all goats, knows my name like that. That was the biggest thing to me. Next thing you know, we're sitting on the wall on pit road just chatting about his race team, about Bubba Wallace. And then uh, I said, I have to ask you, do you mind if I just get a picture of us together? He's like, yeah, my wife will take it. Just don't get her shoes in the shot because I had Adidas on.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, ouch. Yeah. You know, I think that's the key. You just treat people with respect and like another human being. And that's how you get through those situations. And I think the people you're meeting that are famous like that because they're so used to those kinds of encounters and they can sometimes be pretty uncomfortable for them. Yeah, I would assume. I,
1: I agree. Um, My favorite of all time was the Judds growing up the singing group, mother daughter singing group, absolutely my all time favorite. And my ironically, my very first Indy 500, the Judds were there as guests, and I got to interview them and take a picture that to me trumped all I mean, I interviewed Morgan Freeman that day. And I was like, Nope, Nope, it's all about the judges, And people are like,
0: what? <laughs> well, your kids must be pretty uh, excited when they see, holy cow, mom, you're sitting with Michael Jordan. That's pretty cool.
1: Hey, I want to talk a
0: little bit about cars before I let you go today. Uh, you're obviously a car gal, a racing gal. Uh, is there one special vehicle in your life that really stands out? Now, this could be a car you've owned, or it could be a car that, well, like jumping into an car and taking a lap.
1: Gosh, I um, I actually I I mentioned two cars that I have in the driveway. I also have a Range Rover Sport, and she is fast. This car, it's red. My favorite color is red. I just love a car that has a lot of get up and go. So she's probably the fastest car I've had. But then the utility sport utility vehicle, you know, with enough room for my dogs and my kids. But she looks beautiful. It's the date night car, and it's super fast. I haven't really had. A car yet. I'm. I, I, there's so many that I have my eye on, but we're, that's coming. Our date car just for two is coming, and and I don't know. I love Porsches. I see you have pictures of Porsches in your um, studio. I would love. That's coming. That's coming soon.
0: Okay, well, when you're ready, you call me. I'm the Porsche guy. I've had uh, lots and lots of Porsches, and like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, my Orange Crush, which my listeners know all about, it's a car that I let go last year, but I had it for 14 years, came from your neighborhood, so uh, I can help you with that. So call me anytime. Uh, Sounds like fun. So I played a little game here. I'm a car psychologist. I have a special certificate somewhere on the wall here. I don't know where it is, but I made it up. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) I'm going to crawl into your head. If you were reincarnated manifest as a vehicle. Not what you want to be
1: though. This is how you perceive the lady in the mirror. What would you be? But more importantly, why? That's funny. The first thing that came to me is the brand new Corvette. Oh, I like it. The C8. Yes. I love that car. Just the lines, the the body, the contour. So female, right? But yes. and so throaty, so American Um, so fast. So you've got that edginess and that masculine side that, that kind of describes me. I, some people think that I was, I was probably a boy in a former life because I just love all the guys stuff, but yet I'm so feminine at the same time. So that car is probably a good mix. Well,
0: you did that really well. That's hard for some people, (laughs) but I think it, I think it's perfect. Yeah. It fits you to a T. So I know you love to give back in many ways, but one of the ways I know that's very important to you is animal rescue uh, you've worked with several organizations. Tell us about
1: this. Yes. Well, growing up an only child, I just there was something about animals. I just always had a connection to animals. I rode horses in Lake Tahoe. I worked at a at a ranch to make money as a kid, and um, loved dogs, cats, all of those things, and and it never left me. And when I got to a point in my career where I had a little downtime and I had a little money. I just thought I need to find a way to give back, so I started uh, volunteering at rescue organizations that started in Las Vegas, and then kind of just became a voice for the voiceless. And I'm a huge advocate for pit bulls, and we have one pit bull, a pit bull mix, and we have two small kids. I. I just, I love that breed. I love dogs just in general. And um, there's so many out there that are such amazing animals that I just really try to get that word out that instead of going and buying a dog, that's not the only option. You could go and find a great dog, any age that you could rescue and save a life. So that's so near and dear to me. I love it. I know you're involved in the
0: Animal Foundation in Nevada, a huge organization that helps uh, animals and so forth. But uh, is there one in the region where you live now that we can do a shout out to? Yeah,
1: Hamilton Humane. They are um, right up the street. They are incredible if you live anywhere in Indiana and you're looking for an animal. They are no kill and they have hundreds of animals. The most beautiful facility you've ever seen. It's like a hotel because they've just done that incredible of a job raising money for these animals to live in this great facility. But something else I do on the road, I, I do something called the shelter surprise, where we'll go to different, like I did in Fontana, California this year, I find, um, you know, a shelter that needs food, they need money, and I'll donate, they have, you know, their website that says what they need, their their list of items, every shelter has it. And then I pay them a visit and take pictures of some of the dogs and cats up for adoption. And, um, and I just walk in. They don't know who I am. I just walk in and, and do it. And I love doing that in our NASCAR markets.
0: Oh, that's cool. And especially given uh, your, the awareness of so many people that know you, this is a wonderful way to uh, get that message out. So very cool. Now, I always like to ask my guests about books. I know you wrote a book back in 2013, The Essential Car Care for Women. I'm going to put a link to that on Amazon because I love to promote books. Is there another book that you might want to share with us today But
1: all the traveling you do? Do you do you do a lot of reading or audio listening? Gosh, I have been listening to some podcasts. I'm getting more into that than than reading, and I also do so much research on my on flights. It's just the perfect place. Gosh, book wise, nothing great as of late. Yeah. But thanks for bringing up essential car care for women. Yeah. That was such a fun project that I did with another woman, Danielle McCormick. And it was one of those back in the day when we did it, I say back in the day, 2013, 10 years ago, it was meant to just be in the glove box, especially for younger kids, boys, girls, just starting out driving, you know, a quick go-to how to change a tire, how to check your oil, how to change your oil. Just simple things, and I learned a lot through that process too. So that was fun to get to do that, and and say, um, you know, I have a published book out there. But yeah, I'll put a link to that on
0: Jamie's show notes page on the CarGurus yeah website. And you listeners know there's a great place on the CarGurus yeah website called Guest Recommended Books. There's over three thousand books listed there by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts. So check it out. I've made it easy to buy with a quick click. So. I do something kind of fun. I'm a bit of an enabler here on Cars, yeah? I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to park any car in your driveway. You can take it for a drive. And here's the key. You can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us, which opens up a world of opportunities for an interesting conversation. What does the ultimate drive look like for Jamie Little?
1: The ultimate drive. Gosh, car. Hmm. Don't worry about the cost. I'm going to pay for it. Okay. How about something just so out there like a Bugatti? Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. And um, Dale Earnhardt Sr., somebody that I never met, somebody that I would have loved to have met and known. So I go on a ride with him.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And a Bugatti. Oh, geez. Yeah, those things are insane. I, I've never had a chance to drive nor ride in one. I've been around a few of them. But uh, that's an, that's probably about as extreme as you can get when it comes to cars like that. I had Dale's daughter as a guest on the show, you probably have met her many times, I'm assuming.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Dale's family and um, Kelly Earnhardt Miller and what she's done with NASCAR and the race team with Dale Earnhardt Jr. It's great to see them carrying on their dad's name and doing it in such a great way to give back. And, you know, they just keep finding these great, talented drivers that move up and they become the the stars of NASCAR on Sundays. So great family and and obviously very important to have them in the sport. Absolutely. Well, you've
0: taken us on a very wonderful ride today, Jamie, and I can't thank you enough for uh, spending some time with me, taking a pit stop here at Cars. Yeah, I want to reach out to uh, Rob Knoll at Lucas Oil for connecting us. Rob, thank you very much and and the entire Lucas Oil team. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, uh, uh, a success quote or a mantra of some kind that has served you well?
1: Outwork the next person. If you want it bad enough, just work harder, be willing to do that, and it will pay off. Um, I mean, like it has for me. It's just you have to be willing to work hard and and go after what you believe in, what you're passionate about. You know, you don't have to settle for something less. Go for what you want and settle for more.
0: Great uh, words of inspiration. And sometimes it is that simple. Not that it is simple, but yeah, just outwork the next person. I love it. Well, I'm going to put links also on Jamie's show notes page to Lucas Oil, but all you listeners know Lucas Oil, but check them out. Incredible brand, incredible group of people and uh, products that I use on my vehicles as well. How can people follow you?
1: I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter seems to be where uh, the race enthusiasts uh, are mostly, but if you want to see fun pictures of family, dogs, cars, racing, um, Jamie Little TV on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: There you go. I'll put links, but Jamie's easy to find. And yeah, some great pictures of your family. You guys just got back from a vacation in Tennessee, it looked like.
1: Yes, we were just right outside of Gatlinburg and uh, down in the Smoky Mountains. Gosh, what a beautiful, beautiful part of this country. So yeah, I was just on the road for 19 straight weekends. So it was nice to get away. And it is vacation time just for a couple of weeks, but I'll, I'll be back with the trucks play by play coming up in a week
0: we appreciate you being there and covering everything for us, Jamie. Thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and sharing uh, what a life you've built for yourself. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road or probably at a race. Thank you, Mark. This is great. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the U.S. are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Karjan yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today.